I don't even get what the hell he's trying to argue. It's mostly just him like saying words and like moving his hands in the air and kind of being like, lawyer business. Um, oh, but don't you see the analogy to what's going to happen at the end? Don't you see it, Chris? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 382 with a review of Bridge of Spies. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue of the, over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we will be uh, crashing our spy planes behind enemy lines to discuss Bridge of Spies. How are you doing over there at Checkpoint Charlie, Mr. Stephen Miller. Doing pretty good. Uh, I've actually been to Checkpoint Charlie. I had a little, like, giddy jolt of excitement in the movie when I saw them there, <laughs> even though it was not a positive situation that they found themselves in. <laughs> what about you? When you were there, was it a positive situation for you? Yeah, you know, the wall's pretty short now. <laughs> but but they still kept... Um, they still have bricks on the ground, so you can still walk and kind of see the line where the wall was. All right. <laughs> and they sell pieces of the Berlin Wall for like $5. You can get it on a keychain and take it home. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so pretty cool. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it's a little late in the evening, but uh, th- th- things are going good. Good. Don't have a cold? I don't have a cold. Uh, thankfully, I am over whatever I had last time, so doing much better. That's good. If you do, apparently, drinking lots of whiskey will help you. That's what <laughs> Tom Hanks proved to me in this movie. <laughs> Just as far as, like, not with a cold, but being cold, or... No, he had a cold. He kept He kept talking about being sick, having a cold, wanting to go home. And then, like, he would meaningfully drink whiskey, and the camera would kind of look at them, like, pouring the glass. <laughs> and nothing ever came from it. It's just like, okay, he gulps whiskey and has a cold. It didn't actually cure him, though, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. So this movie didn't teach you that. You just, <laughs> you took what you wanted from the message of the visuals of the film. Yeah, I, I extrapolated a little bit. Gotcha. You know, like, commercials where all the cool people are smoking cigarettes? In this movie, <laughs> Tom Hanks is drinking whiskey. And he's the standing man. <laughs> you remind me of a man my father used to know. <laughs> he used to drink and then fall down, but he'd always get back up. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> um, well, should we, uh, should we just jump into this? I mean, our, as good as our banter's going, it is late. So what do you say we just jump right into the episode? Would it help? <laughs> No, I can't. I didn't do the voice right. It has to be like, would it help? Would it help? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to try to compose ourselves while we play you the trailer for Bridge of Spies. And we're going to come back and give you a review. They've got our guy, our spy pilot. They've got their spy. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. Do you know how people will look at us? The family of a man trying to free a traitor? Every person matters. Why are we hanging him? He's a spy! 
We need to know what the Russian is telling you. We're not having this conversation. Don't go Boy Scout on me. We don't have a rule book here. We call it the Constitution, and that's what makes us Americans. Where do they want this negotiation? East Berlin. People in my country consider this an act of war. The next mistake our governments make could be the last one. Standing there like that, you remind me of a man when I was young. Our house was overrun by border guards. And this man, my father's friend, he was beaten. Every time they hit him, he stood back up again. They hit him harder. Still, he got back to his feet. I think because of this, they let him live. And I remind you of him? Standing man. Standing man. All right, so that was the trailer for Bridge of Spies. Uh, basically, the Cold War is happening, and uh, we caught ourselves a Russian spy. But uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, the Russians may have caught an American spy. And, you know, now we got to do a little trade action to get our boy back. And, uh, you know, the best person for the job might be Tom Hanks. So, yeah, he he gets the job. <laughs> Steven, <laughs> what did you think of this film? This movie seems like... Everything I both very much like and dislike about later Spielberg, which is it is a big, grand, meaningful, dull, dull movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I feel like that. I, I think I I enjoyed watching this. Like I, I was happy I saw it. I liked the story. I like Tom Hanks as a lead, and I like a film that has kind of a round positive message of just a a good protagonist doing a good thing like you know the the stand-up man the guy who <laughs> affirms people's right like i i like that kind of classic feeling movie um it isn't trying to subvert anything or be like terribly clever or in your face <laughs> like you know it's just like a classic positive movie uh but Boy, like you talked about Pawn Sacrifice, how you thought <laughs> it was going to present to you this kind of grand Cold War battle that was going to be some thrilling, very meaningful storyline. And then what you got in the end was just two people playing chess. Um, and I feel like this is that with negotiating. Like, <laughs> this is that, but with no chess. <laughs> yeah, like the, the trailer promises this bridge of spies like this no man's land between uh uh the soviets and the u.s and tom hanks putting his life in danger to be in the middle of the two and it gives you that but only in this very routine way of technically this guy was here and he did foster a negotiation between the two parties and like it, it tries to convey the fear of being in east berlin in the 50s and I think it does a reasonably good job of that. But if you wrote down the bullet points of the story, there just isn't very much that happens in it. Like, the only struggles are kind of artificial. They're like Tom Hanks wondering if he's doing the right thing, his family being concerned, 
things that like if you were to actually look at the bullet points of the story clearly didn't need to be there <laughs> because the arc of the story is like Tom Hanks is a good man. He does a good thing. He's a good lawyer. And the end, <laughs> like what people think is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. And there's something kind of calming about watching a movie like that. It does feel just like a nice historic period piece type of movie but it, it does make me wonder like of all the stories spielberg could tell why did he want to tell this one like what is it about this story that he thought would be so meaningful <laughs> compared to all of the other things where presumably the people involved did put their lives more at risk and actually had higher stakes than this so i don't know it felt like someone trying to spin a grand narrative out of a very nice, not grand story. How did you feel? I, I, I think for for me, the film feels like uh, when you take a child's um, fairy tale that goes across maybe five pages with one sentence on each page in like a little picture book and then try to turn it into a two-hour movie. Where the wild things are? <laughs> well, that was a successful way to do it. Um, Bridge of Spies, not so much. <laughs> um, uh, like little Mick Bridgie spies, or whatever the version <laughs> of this book is. Um, cause it feels like we, like you kind of mentioned, like taking just a bunch of bullet points and on paper and like, this is sort of what happened. And there you go. Uh, that's what the whole movie feels like because there's not a lot of narrative outside of like, yeah, this guy talked to that guy and now they're having a conversation and now they had that conversation. Let's bring our boy home. Like that, that's, that's the story, and it's not done in a way where you really see the lawyeriness of Tom Hanks' character. I mean, the the most in-depth you see him during an argument is like the opening of the film where he's in some case, and he's like, right, well, right. my person, uh, he may have gotten one accident where he hit five motorcycles, but uh, that's, that's one accident to uh, insurance. One accident. Oh no, sir! I think if you hit five motorcycles, that's five accidents. Like, <laughs> it's it's the stupidest case ever. Like, okay, one accident. You hit five motorcycles. You're still going to pay for those five motorcycles, right? Like, I don't even understand in the context of that one case that he's working. I don't even get what the hell he's trying to argue. It's mostly just him like saying words and like moving his hands in the air and kind of being like lawyer business. Um, oh, but don't you see the analogy to what's going to happen at the end? Don't you see it, Chris? I really hated the the illusion of like not it's it's, it's like the worst set of foreshadowing ever when he's like one for two and one for five and blah 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 and at the end he's basically saying the exact same words again like no one two two for one like <laughs> he's he's basically making it, they they try to make that first case he's using the exact same argument for why he deserves to have his people back, but it's not even the same sort of situation. Like in the original thing, it was like literally somebody was in an accident and damaged a bunch of vehicles as opposed to like, well, we have one of your spies and you have one of our spies, but then you also have some guy who's not even an American citizen or no, he, he was right. But he was yeah, in... a Yale, Yale grad student who was yeah. studying in East Germany, oh, whatever it was. But like, basically we, there's no, 
what, what I wanted from this film is you brought up uh, Pawn Sacrifice, and that's kind of how what I wanted from this film is what I wanted from Pawn Sacrifice. Like, I want to see a person who's really great at his job using the skills that he has to wage this, like, secret underlying war that's happening out there. And, you know, whether or not his life is being at risk, that's not what I care about. I want to see, like, a smart person doing smart things to achieve a goal, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really get that. Like, Tom Hanks is sent to negotiate this thing, but he doesn't really do a lot of negotiating. Like, it's almost like he wasn't even being sent to negotiate. Just the U.S. government couldn't set foot over there, so they sent some guy to, like... It's almost like when he arrives, the deal's already done. He just has to hang mm-hmm. out long enough for them to, like, fly the people over for the transaction. You know, like, he's not... He's the babysitter for a negotiation that's already taken place as opposed to the one guy who the whole thing rests on his shoulders. Um and you have characters saying that the whole thing rests on his shoulders, and he's constantly like, oh, no, no, not just one. I need two for one. Two for one, not just one. Like, even <laughs> when he's trying to, like, strong arm, he's not explaining why they should give him what he wants. He's just saying what he wants. And that's mm-hmm. not a negotiation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I mean... If you are looking for this to be a movie about a person who is particularly good at one thing, the only way uh, Tom Hanks's James Donovan Donovan fits that is if the one thing he's good at is like honor or a purity of heart. <laughs> you know, like his one thing is having a character that refuses to compromise, which is a nice idea, but like that makes sense for a movie. For an actual hero, it's kind of hard to follow that line of thought. Okay, so we had technical difficulties, but what were you saying there, Stephen? Yeah, so I was saying I think thematically he is not the greatest X where X is any particular skill. He's kind of like condensed down to a point the classical movie ideal of the person who is the most honorable or pure of heart or just man. You know, the standing man. And, 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 you know, there's one sense where the film is successful at that. You know, like the way he talks, like the scenes where it's just him and the Russian spy in the prison cell talking, you get the sense of he's not sitting on the other side of a table looking at this man as the enemy. He's looking at this this man as the person he's defending. Like he's he doesn't just want to do this because he's being told to by his superiors. In fact, like most people hate him for doing this. He's doing it because he thinks it's right and it's just. And and I like those scenes isolated um, in themselves. But the, mm-hmm. pro- the problem is the film around that is not really doing much with it. I mean, even like when he's going over to do the negotiations, nobody knows this is actually taking place. Like this is happening completely in secret. So in the trailer, when people are like upset at him and mad at him and sort of hate him, the reason they are that way is because he is defending this person in the normal court. Like <laughs> we have this prisoner of war and, or like technically he's not even a prisoner of war. He's, we, we captured this guy who's a spy and now we're trying him. And he gets, he's like the, the public defender or whatever. And he's the person who just, just got assigned to the case. And mm-hmm. people are pissed at him for saying he deserves like a fair shot at whatever. And the film spends zero time on the trial. Like 
you could right. you could like you could sell me on one uh, an, like a movie that is just the trial of him trying to prove that this man deserves a fair shot instead of like the one scene where he's in front of a bunch of people with wigs going like the supreme uh, court yeah yeah like <laughs> he's well, like besides like nine people with wigs <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter who that was because nobody gave him a shot of time, right? Mm. But, but, like, rather than actually make this a compelling court drama, like, it's just like a, uh, yeah, well, we're we're going to appeal to the Supreme Court because obviously this whatever doesn't give a shit about him. Like, there's there's no time spent on really, like, showing, like legally why this man deserved a fair shot at anything um so i don't know i just right i i I feel you i actually think the part of the movie i liked quite a bit was the the growth of his character and kind of the political is almost too strong a word just like the basic human themes of the movie uh like i really liked his moments where he's um in the supreme court and he's defending the idea of even if this man is a spy and even if he is our quote enemy, he is serving his country loyally. He's doing something he thinks is right. He deserves to be treated like a human being. Um, And, you know, coming from a kind of hard on your sleeve, liberal type person, I really enjoyed that message. And I like the idea of a person being willing to suffer for the rights of a person who is harming them. Um, like, I think that's a really cool idea. Well, see, but see, they do, they frame the movie not around that, but around this thing happening in Berlin that is not even the, like, second best exemplar of that trait of Tom Hanks's character, <laughs> uh, which is what makes it a little strange. Like, there, his, the positive benefit of him is that he's stubborn, not that he's principled. But like, like here, here's here's the real problem. Like before you even get to that aspect of it, like so the film opens and and we the audience get evidence that this man is in fact an actual spy. Mm-hmm. The people who arrest him have zero evidence. They raid his house and they're they're like he destroys the one piece of evidence that is available to them, right? I think they have it, though. It's just they have it by illicit means. Isn't that, like, one of the major points of the first trial? I, I, there, I, I'm sort of remembering a time where Tom Hanks says, like, well, this should be inadmissible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're looking at a table full of evidence that was acquired from the person's office. And he's saying, yep, this doesn't look good. Wait, where did you get this? Oh, well, they didn't have a warrant for this. They had a warrant to to seize the man they didn't have a warrant to raid his workspace but also the things that they're listing are cameras quote of the type that would be used for spying <laughs> like <laughs> it seems like all the evidence they even have like through like whatever means it still seems circumstantial like i would love to see like just the courtroom version of this film in the which, serial of this story? Yes, like I want, I want the serial version of of this story. I, I would even settle for the the judge version of this story. 
like on Robert Downey Jr. standing up there explaining why uh, this Russian spy isn't actually a Russian spy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that like that would be a compelling thing. Like I really like courtroom drama stories and I really like characters using like actual like skills at arguing or deducing information or like just simply, you know, even if it's like a bad guy who's twisting it to be like the, you know, true story style <laughs> where, where he's using stuff from an interview to try to make the jury believe one story, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of thing is still more interesting than like, you guys hate this spy, right? Yeah, we do. Guilty. All right. Well, I guess I'm taking it to the Supreme Court. Still guilty. And then like, well, maybe we shouldn't execute him because like, what if we lose a spy overseas? Oh, what do you know? We lost a spy overseas. Let's go exchange them now. Like, there's no aspect to this story that is interesting in any way. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say there's no aspect that's interesting i just think they build it up to a conclusion where the conclusion shouldn't be <laughs> like it, it it's kind of a a cock tease in the way that pawn sacrifice was where it kept teasing you with imagery of like the cia snapping photos and this idea of ooh, there's like this undercover world and everything is going to come into an explosion <laughs> and then you realize oh no, that wasn't the story. Like, there was nothing to do with that in the movie. And that that's kind of how I felt about this, is like Pawn Sacrifice, I think there was a story to be had here where I would have felt completely satisfied with what happened. But the way they frame it, it's just a, a little bit of a letdown. A little bit? <laughs> just a little bit. I, I was actually, I was pretty content the whole time watching it. Like, I think... It is a nice looking movie. Um, I enjoyed the score. Like with with Spielberg, you kind of noticed that right away, I think. Um, I think Tom Hanks is a very likable dude. He he isn't the most charismatic here, (laughs) Um, but he is fun to root for. I liked uh, whoever played Abel, Mark Rylance, uh, Rudolph Abel. I thought he was good. Everyone else was kind of hit or miss. Like whoever played... uh, Alan Dulles, the CIA captain, he was the most, like, boringly acted character I've ever seen. (laughs) It was just like, we need you to go to Berlin. Can you do that? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, why are you even in this movie if you're going to have no character? Yeah. Uh, It's an odd movie in hindsight, because I feel like it could have easily been, like, a 30-minute TV episode. (laughs) No, and, and you it, would have lost nothing in the compression. It very much could be like a History Channel, like shitty dramatization of like some story where like half of it's just straight narration with like random people in the background with this, you know, text at the bottom of the screen that says this is a reenactment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just, it didn't, it didn't deliver on uh, a sense of like, ba- basically stakes didn't feel like they were there. Right. Right. I mean, it, no, there there were a few moments like when he's walking through East Berlin before I knew what was going to happen. It felt like there could be stakes there, <laughs> but the movie does not deliver on them. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, like, and and let, let me be clear, like w- during the course of watching the film, I 
was entertained enough by Tom Hanks and the 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 guy playing the Russian spy that like it wasn't it wasn't like I was like constantly checking my watch and being like oh this movie it was just sort of like a why <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean like it, it didn't feel like this story it didn't feel like there was enough information about this story to be worthy of making a whole film about and that's sort of like the biggest crime the, f- the film's guilty of it's it's sort of like oh this like this this is the story that a grandparent would tell at the dinner table <laughs> of this one time when like they they knew the standing man right yeah <laughs> like and then you're like oh well that, that's 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 a really interesting story like this this story is compelling on wikipedia or through your grandma's mouth but well and and especially it, it does one of those things where it leaves like in the tag at the end of the movie. It tells you like a way more interesting future thing that he would do. <laughs> I don't know if you if you read that if you just walked out the door right away. Um, is, is it like after credits? No, no. It, it was just when the movie ended. It. I don't think we can really do spoilers. Like this is a real thing that happened to a person. <laughs> um, it says that after the events of this movie. He went on to negotiate the Bay of Pigs oh, yeah, yeah. to secure the release of a thousand people, and he wound up securing like nine thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a crazy story. That that would make a better movie. Could, that would definitely have the arc of a master negotiator who who is learning to like climb into more and more important negotiations. Yeah, but even even if I say that, I don't know. I can't fault the end of the movie because it. It got the heartstrings pretty well in the final couple minutes. <laughs> I know, I, like I that did. is that's one thing Spielberg knows how to do is make me feel like teary eyed <laughs> about the goodness of humanity. But even that is like like I I we were messaging each other earlier today and I said like regardless of what I feel about the film like at the end of the movie when the family realizes where he's been this whole time and what he did, like it, it kind of, I got a little bit misty and I was saying that like expecting you to be like, Oh, you're an idiot or whatever. But then you were like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, cool. So now like before I was thinking, I don't know why that even struck a chord with me at all. Cause I was already over the movie. Um, but then when you said like the same thing for you, then I'm like, all right. So maybe there was something there more than mm-hmm. just like whatever. Or maybe I was just, I was just uh no that the ending almost turned me around on it to the extent that like when the credits rolled and I was walking out the door I felt like ah I feel heartwarmed that that was a nice story it, it's only kind of in hindsight that I realized the story didn't amount to very much well let me ask you this too like um I know you like to read your fancy history books and uh, all that stuff mm-hmm. but uh did the film do a good enough job explaining why there were two people to be traded and why, like, like why were the Germans and the Russians working together for this one trade? Like, I so I thought it did. Um, I mean, this was this was at a time when the Soviet Union was beginning to put up the wall. And East Germany was still trying to be an autonomous country. And so this is like a power struggle between the Soviets who actually run everything 
the East Germans who are trying to be an independent nation with their own agenda and the U.S. Um, I, it, I don't know. It made sense to me. But like in, I, in, in what universe would the U.S. trade a spy for a college student? <laughs> no universe. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that's well, stupid. Well, and that's why also... when – so like I read on Wikipedia afterwards about the actual trade – and I think I told you, like, the actual trade doesn't even mention the college student, at least in the summary on Wikipedia. Like, it is a true thing that happened, but I don't think I don't think it was ever framed as if that kid was the point or if that kid was actually the, like, the, I'm blanking on the word for the thing you use to trade, the gambling bit. I'll just make up a new phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the gambling bit. Yeah. A- anyway, I don't... Yeah, I think they made a mountain out of a molehill with the kid. I think he was, like, the cherry on top. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's what I would expect. Like, hey, we also want him. But, like, I don't I don't understand the context for which the Germans would be like, how about uh, you give the Russians the spy? Like, not even you give us the spy. Like, how about you give the Russians the spy and we'll give you this stupid college kid that we're detaining no but they want the u.s to give them the spy and then they're the people who bring in the spy like like a quentin tarantino movie they get the bounty Uh, (laughs) they'll ride the stagecoach with the spy all the way to moscow and be like look at us we're a real country (laughs) gotcha i think that was the idea It still seems so flimsy. Like, I want to see, like, some lackey German soldier who's like, what if we were to find an American and hold him with the hopes that the Americans will turn over the Russian spy? Like, what, like, are they supposed to have had that plan before they even knew there was a trade on? May In movie logic, maybe. In real world logic, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, Like, in in real world, I think the kid... He wasn't like running across to the other side because he was in love with a girl at university. <laughs> he um he was doing his dissertation in communist studies and they thought his dissertation contained like secrets about them. And so they they very explicitly detained him for what he was writing, not yeah. just like a beautiful which, blonde blue eyed boy. Yeah, which would make sense because they would be assuming that he is a spy. Mm-hmm. So in that universe, the Germans have an American spy and the Russians have an American spy. Like, that would have made more sense already, as opposed to, like, the random soldier just using the fact that he has a thing of paper that has communist on the front of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, like, that would be enough to arrest the man. Yeah. Like, it was clearly one of those things where, like, a cop pulls you over and be like, you were speeding, you know, and then just arrests you. <laughs> You know, huh? Huh? Oh yeah, you have a shirt that says "Lawbreakers." I, I see. We'll show you some lawbreaking, and then he just arrests you. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I thought, I thought that part held together okay, but only in the kind of like grand, broad, sweeping historical drama sense. Like, this kind of reminded me a lot of Lincoln, except for Tom Hanks is not. Um, Daniel Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, and uh, the character of James Donovan is not at all the character of Lincoln. Like, 
but otherwise it builds that way where it is just kind of like a little bit of political maneuvering. There's some tension, but the tension is never really the point. The point is like the slow laid back walk through history. Yeah. Um, the only difference is this is walking through history that I don't think mattered that much or had that much to say. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That, that, that's basically my whole, like, that's my main complaint about the film is that I'm just like, this isn't a story I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know why anybody wanted to tell it. Yeah, I'm so, with you. Yeah, it's like an episode of Drunk History, except for without all the funny storytelling. <laughs> 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 all right, well, any last comments about the film? Nope. <laughs> I got nothing. My my last thing that I'll say is is just that like the other nail in the coffin of like me going like uh and rolling my eyes was uh Spielberg's like constant like this versus that sort of thing that he's doing. So it's like Yeah, you know, uh, like, the bridge. So the, yeah, the like, gate stuff. Yeah, so like kid like the the people trying to hop over the the wall and being shot versus like the kids hopping over the fence or like the yeah. woman the woman it was re- like, like he was trying to do the munich thing but it like don't not for this well the worst one is like the woman reading the newspaper and then recognizing him and being like Rrr! and then like the same woman on the train later reading the newspaper and be like hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was the, like that one was the worst like I, I knew the kids hopping over the fence one was going to happen, but the, the newspaper woman was just like, you know what? <laughs> this is just stupid now. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's definitely not subtle. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> it's it's literally the opposite of subtle. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think uh, I said enough about that. So should we just get to our verdicts? All right, Stephen, if you were going to give the same must-see, a recommend with the caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Well, despite the predominantly negative conversation, I still thought it was like a moderately entertaining time. I think The Judge is a good comparison, actually. Like, <laughs> this was that kind of movie for me where it was longer <laughs> than it needed to be. It didn't go as deep as I wanted it to, but if it came on TV, I'd be more than happy to watch it. So wait for went, wait for rental, I think. Uh, speaking of the judge, this film could have used a hurricane scene with definitely a dad and his son yelling at each other. Um, there wasn't enough Bonavere in this movie either. <laughs> I I think for me, I'm just gonna have to give this a pass with the caveat. Um, like I didn't hate the film, but it's like literally the film exists for reasons that I don't understand, and it really doesn't do anything to like make me feel super profound about anything. Like 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 you mentioned the title card at the end about like the things he does after this film is over are so much more compelling and like so much more like wow he really is a stand up man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and i just don't understand why this story needed to be told um so if you really want to see it yeah why not go see it but i think that this is sort of just like you can scoot by and pretend you never saw it and uh you're not really too worse off for not seeing it <laughs> i agree <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, Mr. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, if you want to find me, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can uh, use the contact form on our site. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for the episode will come from the soundtrack to Bridge Bridge of Surprise. Bridge of Surprise. (laughs) It's late. It Uh, is late. (laughs) But yeah, Bridge of Surprise soundtrack playing now. Um, Yeah, so that was a review of Bridge of Spies. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Stephen Miller. Thank you for having me. And uh, continue to be a stand-up man. And uh, Want to help? <laughs> See, like Spielberg, I'm going to do it at the beginning and the end. 